But, but I do. Last week, it was amazing. Uh, we heard testimonies from the baptism we had a couple of weeks ago last Sunday. And it took the whole service. And was that not, like, exciting? It was like... Uh, it, it, you know their lives were changed, and it changed my life to hear the stories. And uh, it really was exciting. It was a fun day. It was way better than a sermon, wasn't it? Amen. <laughs> Come on, it was. I had way more fun. It, uh, most of you didn't fall asleep. It was a big day. So that was a joke. And, uh, I, and I, tonight, we're doing baptism again. We have, I think, five people tonight to be baptized seven eight eight people y'all know how that is like double fours uh eight people tonight and uh, you're all invited you can bring friends and family and when someone is baptized we get to participate with it and uh I want to talk they named it they call it left in the water it's like you do realize that baptism was the end of man's self-effort and living by the law and according to the old Jew, Jewish laws. It was the end of that. When Jesus came out when he was 30 years old and he went to the Jordan River and his cousin John, John the Baptist, baptized him and Jesus went into that water and he came up from out of the water and the Father from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Spirit came in the form of a dove and rested on him. He said, I'm, I'm resting on him and never leaving. Something in all of history changed. That changed. It was the end. You see, baptism, we need to understand, it's, it's more than just getting dunked. It's more. It's so much more we can't even imagine. So I started le- looking, thinking about it, and what has happened. What, what ended then? Uh, earning your way to heaven ended that day. Self-effort ended that day. Jesus put it to death. And he said, there's a new way to God. And it was him. It was the Son of God had come to earth. And, you know, when I look at baptism, I think about this. What did we leave in the water when you're baptized? When you decide to follow Jesus in baptism, what happens? Here's the first thing you do. Self-effort. You know, you leave self-effort in the water. No longer are you trying to be good enough. No longer are you fighting to keep your head above water. No longer is it up to you to move and change the world and and bless your family. And it's it's no longer. It's like self-effort gets left in that in that grave. And it's when you leave that there, because you know what self-effort leads to? Self-effort leads to guilt when you don't do enough. Self-effort leads to judgment, where you judge others that don't try as hard as you or aren't as smart as you or aren't as good at you as you are. All of a sudden, self-effort leads to division because we obviously try harder than everybody else. That means we're better than them. Self-effort leads to shame. It leads to shame. It's Adam and Eve. They tried to become like God in their own strength. And the first thing that happened to him was shame. Shame. The one who led, leads us into self-effort is the devil. It's darkness. And the devil tells you that you can earn your way to God. 
You can earn your way to heaven. You can produce enough good that it outweighs the bad so God will love you and bless you. That's what self-effort does. Jesus came and he put that to death. Self-effort leads to regret. You know, I was thinking those three words written on that stone that covers a tomb. Shame, regret, and guilt all come from self-effort. Self-effort leads to judgment. Of judging yourself and judging others. Self-effort leads to bondage. The harder you try not to be in bondage, the more you're going to be in bondage. That's what Paul said in Romans. The man who was above and beyond everybody in his age group in Judaism. Self-effort leads to anger. How many of you get, have ever seen an athlete miss a basketball shot and they go, Ugh, and they hit themselves in the leg? You know, when you don't reach your goals, when you don't be as good as you want to be, when you fail, when you make mistakes, what happens? Self-effort leads to all of that. You know, it's, uh, and I guess self-effort, the bottom, the end of self-effort is hopelessness. Because one day, you find out you can't do it. You know, uh, on our own, self-effort's living independent of God. It's the opposite of what Pastor Tim said a few seconds ago. It's you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and not reaching up and grabbing his hand. Self-effort leaves you on your own, and it leads you with the self-effort on our own, independent of God. It leaves us unable to have peace in the middle of a storm. See, storms do come. The center of my being will never be at peace in my own efforts. It actually creates the very things that we're, I'm going to be not at peace at. The stress, the anxiety, the fear, the judgment. With, on our own, we cannot live from the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, isn't it funny? Uh, what is fruit? Fruit is something that's produced on a tree. It comes because of the tree, the way God created it. It's a God thing. You know what fruit is for us? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, peace in your heart, rest. Those, none of those come from self-effort. Self-effort is like drilling holes. It's like you've got a bucket and you're trying to go get the water. And you, every time you use self-effort to get something, you drill another hole in your bucket. And you end up running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you never get to experience the fruit of your labor. How many of you are unsatisfied and you feel like you've been cheated and you're getting robbed? You see, self-effort is what puts us in that place. With self-effort, you'll never walk in the power of God. You know whose power you walk in with self-effort? I'm saying you, I mean we, us. In self-effort, you, you get your power. Well, some of you are old enough, you've already figured it out. Good luck with that. <laughs> Have you hit enough walls yet that you figured out that alone you aren't going to be able to ever, ever produce rest and peace and joy and comfort and security you'll never produce that stuff with self-effort have you ever tried to earn somebody's love 
Maybe when you were younger, you might have, you know, you like this girl, you like this guy, and so you start doing these things. You boys are especially bad at it. You poke her, you say stuff to her, you throw stuff at her. You know how you did when you were 14. Some of you did it when you're 30. Some of us are still doing it. I heard something somebody said to their wife today, and I'm like, do I just need to put an S on your forehead for stupid? Don't say that. It was Stephen. It was Stephen. God bless you, brother. You pray for Stephen. Pray for no, pray for Sherry or Stacy. <laughs> right? Self-effort produces that. It produces that, and we get frustrated. On our own, we will never be able to resist the lies of the devil. He lies. He's a liar. He's a father of lies. He's an angel. He's spirit. And his voice whispering in your ear, in your own self-effort, you'll never shut that voice up. You're not good enough. You messed up. You're too far gone. You're stupid. You'll never. I'm ashamed of you. God's ashamed of you too. You should be ashamed of yourself. And of course, when you live from self-effort, you have the you have the standards that you can, you know you should be ashamed of. Self-effort's ashamed of who you are. Have you looked at yourself? That's what self-effort does, and it makes us we can't resist those lies. And it's not because we're bad. It's not because of anything. It's because there's a secret of life that comes from Jesus that gives us the power. You see, self-effort. Self-effort leaves us unable. Do you know we all have a pea patch? Y'all know what a pea patch is? It's a biblical uh, illustration, right? It was King David during Israel's days. They'd get attacked by all these people. These nations around them all attacked them all the time. And there was two guys, and they were running from the enemy because the enemy was routing Israel. 100,000 soldiers just destroying the land. And finally, these two guys, and they were so godly, it's, I think it's sort of funny because these guys were sort of like some of us. They actually weren't that godly. They just got tired of running, and they stopped, and they said, this is my farm, this is my land, and I'm just going it, to, it stops right here. And they won a battle and a victory that day in insurmountable odds. Self-effort will never give you the power of God to be able to put your foot down and say, you know what, enough's enough. This is where it stops. Self-effort won't get you there. You see, in baptism is the end of self-effort. It's the end. Jesus said, I'm putting a nail in this coffin and I'm shutting this door forever. From this day forward, I'm going to be the way to God. Faith in me not what you do. And self-effort will never do that. Here's the other thing we left in the water, and, and it's a lot. Uh, negative self-perceptions. That's what you leave in the water when, you, when you're baptized. Jesus, I am not going to listen to those voices anymore. I'm not going to hear I'm not going to live by this anymore. You know, negative self-perceptions, y'all know, uh, self-esteem, identity, the way, the voice I hear in my head when I think about me, those things lead to depression. 
it leads to uh, you being a person that's easily manipulated and swayed by the lies of the enemy. It just opens the door for that stuff. It leads to, uh, to you becoming a person that does get used. Negative self-perception causes huge insecurity in us. Where we, you know, the, did you, and y'all didn't, really, y'all didn't really get really excited about it, as excited as I am, and this is my excited face. Um, it really is. It's like, this is as good as it gets. But those testimonies last Sunday, were they not amazing? They were life-changing. It was like, blow me away. And I was there watching them being baptized, and the testimony still touched me deep inside. And it's like, you know, you know, every one of those testimonies came because someone had a supernatural ability to step out in faith and be baptized. And it took courage. It, it, it took more than what we have inside of ourselves. It's a God thing. And whenever you step out and you don't live in that place of insecurity and defeat and accusation and shame and guilt and regret, when you don't live there, you can take a step of faith and see amazing miracles. You know, testimonies never happen with people that don't take a step out. Did you all understand what I said? (laughs) If you never risk anything, you're never going to have a testimony. You'll never have a miracle. You'll never have anything that's, that is a light, supernatural expression of God on earth through you unless you're willing to take a risk. It's called faith. And that's where testimonies have. So God has created you to bring dominion over your realm, your life, your pea patch, your, your people, your career. I don't know how big your pea patch is, but God's given you one. And for you to walk in that pea patch, you've got to leave that negative self-perception in the, in the grave. The Bible says you're buried with Christ. So negative self-perceptions, you know what else it does? And this is really, it leaves you with a pack, a, a lack not pack, a lack of purpose and, so, and, and destiny. It's like if you have a negative self-perception, you, you won't ever see who you really are because that's not who you are. That's what the enemy says. But a negative self-perception will, will leave you in a place where you'll just never get there. And then not only will you have a lack of purpose and a lack of destiny, Everything you try to do becomes overwhelming and extremely difficult and hard. It's like when you have a negative self-perception to get across the stage instead of just being a casual walk becomes a life and battle fight. Just to get up in the morning, just to sleep becomes a battle. Those are all ways the enemy steals life from us. Because you know when the enemy steals life from you, he's stealing it from me too. When he steals life from me, he's stealing it from you too. And you're going to see that. I'm going to have an illustration of that in just a minute. So you end up working ten times harder than you should just to survive. And it all comes from this place that God died and was buried and we were buried with him. Now, uh, here's a verse we want to do today. This is a fun verse. It's pretty long. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. 
it's an interesting time. Remember, this was after Jesus died on the cross, after He rose from the dead, after He spent time walking on earth, seeing over 300 people. After that, He said, you guys go to Jerusalem and wait for this gift of the Holy Spirit. The whole reason Jesus came was so the Spirit could come and God Himself, God in His full deity, could live inside of humanity, in you and me. And Jesus said, you guys go there and wait. And then the day of Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit came, and then uh, Peter, this is the account that Luke, Dr. Luke made about what happened. He said, then Peter stood up with the eleven, he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you, listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk the way Harvey gets, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. It's only nine in the morning. Not even Harvey gets drunk at nine in the morning. He said, it's not that. And then Peter said this. He said, guys, and he's talking to thousands. That day, is right. you know what ended up happening? Over 3,000 people came to Jesus that day. You know, something happened, and I want you to notice this. In the last days, he says, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. And then you go down into verse 18. Even on my men, my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit. And then in verse 19, I will show wonders. You see, here's your first step to life is God has to open your eyes to come to the place in your life where you realize, I can't do this on my own. That's a revelation from God. You know, you can't even see that unless God Himself puts that in your heart. I remember the day. I remember when I was 24 years old, however many years ago that was, 41 years ago. I said, I can't do this anymore. Self-effort will never bring you to a centered place in your heart that has joy and peace and life. And only God can help you see that. You see, I think some of you, we're having a baptism night. It's not too late for you to get baptized. Some of you probably have never been baptized. You've, you love Jesus. You've been following Jesus, but you haven't left, left it in the water. What do you leave in the water? All those lies? All those self-perceptions, all your strength that you've used to survive on your own without Him, well, you leave that in the water. I'm not going to do this by myself anymore, Jesus. I'm with you. Every day, every step, every decision, every accomplishment comes from you. And so they said that. And so here's the first step. God does this. And then Jesus, God, uh, Peter defined what it is to be saved. It's so complicated. And I know a lot of different denominations, there's lots of places in Scripture you can find this. But here, Peter said, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be, will be saved. There you go. So what's it take to be saved? You have to believe. You have to have heard him, and you have to call on him. Which means, Jesus, I'm not doing this by myself anymore. I need you. And he said, everyone who says that gets saved. 
Everyone who says that gets to experience the power of the Holy Spirit that these people were seeing at that time. And that's the beginning of the step. He raised his voice. And then, you know what he says after that? This is the, uh, the big deal. Are we a... Uh, there we go. Now it's right. Y'all were seeing a small version. So here's what he said later on. In the same sermon, Peter said, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He saves you and he walks with you. You see, the very first step is to say, I can't do this anymore. I believe in you. The next step, the next step is to follow him. You see, when we baptize people tonight, I mean, everybody probably except for maybe one or two, we're going to put them down underwater and we're going to bring them back up to live, to live a life filled with the power and the life of the Holy Spirit. And it's not a once and done thing. It's a continual journey of being transformed and renewed into his image. The power you get tonight will just be the beginning of the power that you receive every day. And it grows and grows and grows your whole life until you're with him in heaven. You see, that's the purpose. So he, Peter said this. The, the guys first said, they realized, oh, I need Jesus. Anybody here need Jesus? They all, 3,000 of them raised their hands and said, we need you. They said, uh, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said, here's what you do. Repent and be baptized. Uh, Every one of you, see, you can't rely on your family, you can't rely on your neighbor, you can't rely on your friends. I mean, if you ask your friends what they think of you, they'll say way better things about you than you think of yourself. Even though once you judge yourself, you believe everybody else is judging you too, so you think they're thinking this, but that's not really what they're thinking. They like wouldn't be your friend if they didn't like you. It's like, you know, you wouldn't be sitting by the person you're sitting by if you didn't think highly of them. But we don't think that. We think everybody in here is judging us and thinking about us and whatever. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. See, and that, and that means he, you're free. You're free. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and everybody, your children and all who are far off and all who call on the name of the Lord. So, and we talk about this, and I wanna, I want, I'm trying to get this in your mind and in my mind. What is repentance? See, we were, we were sort of misled about that word, um, really, and I think we were misled. You see, uh, Romans 2, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience? You see, Jesus' grace is already working in your life long before you start following him. Even if you never follow him, his grace still works in your life. He's kind. He, he, he doesn't hammer you for everything you should be hammered for. It's not that. He, he said this, Paul said, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. It's his kindness, not his impatience, not his anger. It's his kindness that leads us to him. You know, um, that word repentance, it, uh, it really is a, 
It's a created word. It's not in Scripture in the original languages uh, at all. It's a word that some people created to try and sway the way we see things, you know. And it was really well done. So it was a created word. I wrote this down because it's really true. It was a Latin word for penance. And the English word became repentance. 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 Repentance, right? And that isn't really what the word means at all. You see, penance is a thing that they devised in the Middle Ages to raise money. It was a great idea. It was just like um, diet plans. I think those are great ideas to make money. They don't work, but the people that do them save like lots of money off of them. You know, and, and penance was a thing the church created to make money. So here it is. I, we would have, and actually they still have this in churches, we would have a slot up here, or you know, like the offering box in the backs. Listen, we're not promising you anything except for the opportunity to give. And we'll try to do well with the money and be, do, make it do good things. But penance was, if you really messed up this week, we had a monetary value on what you messed up with. So like, if you got irritated and, and, you know, snapped at somebody, that'd be five bucks. Give me five bucks, you're forgiven. Now, if you slapped your husband, I mean slapped your wife, that's a $20 bill, right? Now, if you stole from the church, thousand bucks. But if you give me a thousand bucks, I can turn the other cheek, let it go. And that was really their life. If you commit murder... It was this much money. And the church in that time, in the dark ages, all the churches, when you went into them, they have a little slot to put that money into, and then you'd be forgiven. You just go on and, you know, you're good. And uh, if you go look around in Europe and in America, too, if you go into some churches, you'll still see the slot there. Now, nobody talks about it anymore because it's so stupid. Nobody wants to admit they did that. But they still do it. If you want to put money in it, they'll, they'll take it. So you see, that's what we think repentance is. We have this idea that it means being really, 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 really sorry. See, we don't pay with money anymore. You pay with emotion and, and, and self-beating yourself up. And you have all these other things. Listen, let me tell you, that word in Greek, I wrote it down. Metanoia. And I don't know if I'm saying that right. That's the Greek word. Comes from the prefix meta, which I love that word. It means together with. It's like, like I, would, I would say this to you guys. If we were going to do lunch today, I would say, hey, God, hey, come and meta lunch with me. That would mean come do lunch together with me. We don't have that prefix, but that's what that means. It means together with, in harmony with. Noia means to perceive with the mind. Noeo, noeo means to perceive with the mind. You know what repentance means? It means thinking together with God. Well, that isn't what repentance means. No, it's not. Not the English word. It's what Jesus said. He said repent. You know what? Here's what you repent of. And I, and I wrote it down because I think it's such a big deal. Jesus' uh, repentance is an awakening 
of the mind to the truth. Now, I say awakening because this is a a revelation that comes from heaven to my mind. It's an epiphany, a, a supernatural realization. It's not something you can figure out on your own. No more than you can figure out you need Jesus in your life on your own. You can't. That is a, that's a revelation from God that we have to have. Well, repentance is God has opened my eyes to see the truth the way he sees it. So you know what we thought when we repent, when we're baptized, we're repenting of self-effort. See, we thought that was how you get to heaven. We thought that was how you live a good life. We, you repent of self-effort and you repent of, of negative self-perceptions. You see, it's the opposite of what we thought. We thought the way to get to heaven was to embrace negative self-perceptions. Like if you want to be, have the worst identity and worst identity crisis in the world and worst self-esteem in the world, buy into what we have told people for years, hundreds of years, that you're dirty, you're slimy, you're no good, you're, you're, you have nothing decent inside of you. You see, we don't, that's not what you repent of. You repent of actually believing that you weren't created in God's image. No, you know what? You were created in God's image, and God doesn't change his mind. You know, he's not a man that he should lie or change his mind. You see, God says he loves you. God says you have all the potential in the world, just like a newborn child has all the potential in the world to be raised by the parents. That's who we are. But a a newborn child, he won't make it without his parents. We won't make it without ours either. Repentance is, God, I need you. We sing that song over and over again. God, I need you. I need you now. God, I need you now. God, I need you now. God, I need you now. You know what? Do you really believe that? If you do, that's repentance. God, I need you. And you see, it's a big deal. It's a re, re-reasoning. It's a co-knowing It's seeing yourself the way Jesus sees you. Uh, Paul said it this way. We will be be constantly renewed. We'll be constantly transformed by the renewing of our minds. Your whole life, God's going to show you more and more what the world looks like through His eyes. And what you look like through His eyes. And when you agree with that by faith, it releases God's power in your life. And it's an awakening. You see, we need to be awakened, to awaken to the truth. And He is truth. And the, the Scripture is truth. And we have to be awakened to that. It is. It's an epiphany. Faith isn't a decision. It literally is a discovery. Because faith is a gift from the living God. It's not just you making a decision on your own to do that. Um, faith is actually born inside of us. It's, it's, it comes from an encounter with the divine, with God himself. And when God, you encounter God, faith is born in your heart. And you begin to live. You see, we think, when we think repent, we think Jesus wanted us to beg. Jesus doesn't ask you to beg. He asks you to believe. Believe what he says about you. Take the scripture and open it and read it and look for yourself in there. 
Who are you? The scripture shows you. Believe, not beg. Repentance isn't begging, it's believing. Jesus doesn't want us to belittle ourselves. I think we all sort of do that naturally. We think it's godly to be, be, belittle ourselves. <laughs> That's not godly. You know what's godly? Believing. <laughs> what do you believe? You believe what Jesus said. He said you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you or are you not? Well, I, I messed up this morning. I said a three-letter word. You know, I, I have, I'm not blah, 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 blah. Do you believe what Jesus says or do you believe the physical facts of what you're seeing? We're called to be people of faith. And most of us struggle with that because we, work, we see all the evidence that the enemy throws up against us and we'll believe that before we'll believe what Jesus says about us. You know, I want every one of our little children to believe what our children's teachers are telling them. I know what they're hearing over there and back there right now. I know what those kids are hearing. You're good. You have value. You have worth. Follow Jesus. It's the way you live. That's what those kids are hearing right now. And they're hearing scripture that tells the truth. And it, it'll change their lives. So, Jesus doesn't want us to barter. Isn't that how most of us come to heaven? We get saved. We start bartering with God. Well, I'll quit and God, you'll do. And God, I'll do this. And God, you'll do that. God, I'll lay this down and get this. It's bartering. Listen, my children don't have to barter with me. I'm going to give them bread. I'm going to give them an inheritance. I'm going to give them everything I can. They don't have to barter. God's a good dad. He has nothing but good for us. And he, you don't have to barter for good from him. Jesus doesn't want to behead us. Okay, you know what I mean when I say that? I was trying to use all B words so I could be cool. Um, he doesn't want to behead us. I used to raise beagles, and I named every beagle with a B name. He got really tough towards the end, <laughs> like 20 beagles in. No, he doesn't want you to quit thinking. He wants you to think with him. He doesn't want you to be stupid. Talk to him about it. You got a problem with scripture, you have a problem with whatever, talk to him about it because it's when I'm talking to him, my eyes are open and I see from heaven's perspective. And a supernatural power I don't have comes inside of me. And guess who gets all the glory and all the credit and all the praise? He does. So you don't have to be, behead yourself. Jesus just wants you to believe. And... He doesn't want us to be less than. He just wants us to believe. You see, I think repentance gave us a bad understanding and a, and a difficult place to start from. Now, I want to I get here because uh, this is fun. Now, this is a verse Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. It's on the screen. For in Christ, all. Okay, say that with me. All. Y'all know what all means? All y'all. See, that's a great term because y'all know exactly what I mean when I say that. All of y'all, right? So all the fullness of the deity, all the fullness of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lives in bodily form. In who? In Jesus Christ. The exact representation of the Father. He's one with the Father, and the Father's one with Him. 
How much of the deity lives in Jesus? All. And you, y'all, all of you all, I can't even read this because it just doesn't seem right. All, every single person in this room, including the baby, Everly, every one of you have been given fullness in Christ. All of Him, 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 Holy Spirit, Son, and the Father live inside of me. All. The hopefulness. That's what He says. And, and you know, Christ is the head over every power and authority. In Him you were circumcised, having in the putting off of the sinful nature. And see, we, we take that, we misunderstand that. Before, you, before Jesus came and rose from the dead, we were in bondage. You could not follow Him. You couldn't stop the enemy. You couldn't. You didn't. The Holy Spirit, all of Him didn't live inside of flesh until after He died and rose from the dead. But then, after that, we were circumcised and we put off the sinful nature. That, what He means is, you don't, you have a choice now who you follow. Not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with circumcision done by Christ. You know who did this? Jesus. We got to get off of us. You know how come I know this is true? Because Jesus did it. You know how come it works? Because Jesus did it. You know how come I'll argue with you about who you think you are? Because I know the one who said who you are, his name's Jesus Christ, and he ain't ever wrong. Yeah, but you don't know what I did. I know, I know, I know he did. And you aren't near as powerful as Jesus. Not of one of us can destroy his purpose for our lives. You aren't that good. You're not that smart. You can't see the future. You don't know the past. You can't see outside those doors right now. Neither can I. He does. You see, having been buried with Him in baptism, raised with Him through the faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. Do you know what baptism is? It was the end of your self-effort life and the beginning of living in the power of God. It's like this. Dwayne, would you help me? I've got a very brave usher. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes his wife wants to keep him alive and she'll, uh, here, I'll get this. Come on up here, if you don't mind. You want to come up, come up, come up on stage? It, it's, uh, I know, it's like Vanna White reincarnated. Yeah, not really. Yeah, I need that. This is a fire extinguisher, sort of. So, yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, I'll go first. You got that? Okay, so this is a, an illustration. It's, look, one of the ushers got a fire extinguisher behind the wall. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Um, this is a match. I got it. This is a really cool match. They're fireplace matches. And here's the truth. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, you are the light of the world, speaking to us. You're a city on a hill that can't be hidden. But do you know what happens to this light? When, I live, when it lives by itself, I don't know how long it would take, but it, it's going to burn out. And when it's by itself, uh, this is the devil. When it's by itself, guess what? 
it's hard to keep that thing lit. And that's where we live. You see, I think we get baptized, and after you're baptized, <coughs> that stuff stinks. After, <coughs> I'll be okay. It's, uh, <laughs> no, not yet. You're scaring me. It's really that simple. You see, baptism puts all that stuff, sets us free, puts it to death. We leave it there. But then we get to choose how to live. And our light is lit. And when your light's lit, and that's what we experience. That's why we get confused, I think. So would you light, give me that same illustration. Uh, There you go. When we, (laughs) I really like doing this. When we live, when we do it together with Him, tomorrow morning when you get up together with Him, this is Him. That's you. You are a a light. But when you add, (laughs) this is so much fun. Okay, thank you, Dwayne. That's enough. I should, I'll enjoy myself too much. Take it away. Take it away. I love fire. I love fire. Set a fire down in my soul. You are a burning light. You're a fire. And the thing is, we don't realize we still need Him. We're just a single candlestick, which it can do a lot of good and a lot of damage at a very slow pace and not very powerful. But when we're together with Him, we've been buried with Him in baptism, and we need to be raised with Him. And then we experience, we bring the dunamis power of God to earth, and now those things that we can't stop, all of a sudden we live that together with life, everything changes. How do you know? Trust me and trust God's word. Jesus is ready to come into the world. He's ready to change the world. Are you ready to change the world? God. What is that? It's my mic? No, it's not. Where's the fire? Give me that. (laughs) Just do it again, Dwayne. Right? We were buried with Him. Baptism is the end of self-effort, negative self-perceptions. Are you ready to put those things to death? Are you ready to quit living by those words, by the self-effort, by judging yourself and trying to be good enough and still begin to live by faith and believing what He said is true? He said, you and I are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So anything in you that's not from Him is not who you are. Anything you've done that's not from Him, that's not who you are. He's waiting to set the world on fire. And you know what? A lot of us, we're, we have a pea patch. You've been pushed. You're being pushed. You're being corralled. You're, the world is trying to force you into a place. And you know what? It'd be a good day to say it stops here. It stops here. Those men, they stood in that field and they said, you know what? Live or die, we're going to fight for what's ours.
and they won a battle. And it wasn't just for them. They won it for their families. You see, I believe God's called us to more than what we are at where we are. Do you believe in Him? So tonight, we're having baptism again. Probably there's more than one person in here that doesn't, hasn't told us they want to be baptized. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's time to put the past to death and begin to live for Jesus. And I think there's people in here that don't live for Jesus, who don't even know what that is. You're trying hard, you've done everything you can, and you're not reaping the harvest of your efforts. Someone else is stealing everything from you. You know what? It's time to believe again. Jesus is calling us home, and he wants to set us on fire. Today would be a good day to give your life to Jesus, to give your efforts to Jesus, to give your weakness to Jesus, to give your problems to Jesus, to give everything to him, and let him blow through your life like a torch. And God's going to start bringing a harvest where we haven't had one. He came to set captives free. And that means we're in. Because that's who we are. He came to set us all free. Uh, so let's all stand up. There's my fireman. Yeah, thank you, Peter. Huh. It's going, tonight's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're not doing anything at 5 o'clock, plus uh, Dana and Missy are going to, it's really going to be, it's really going to be nice. We're going to put the horse trough right here. And I would recommend if you do come, get as close to the horse trough as you can. I'm telling you. Ask Dan. He could tell you what happens to whoever's close. And baptism is not just something we watch. It's it's more. We, we allow God time to do something in us, in that tank. So if you're probably hearing inside your head, uh, there's no way I'm going to get baptized, that probably means that Jesus wants you to be baptized. So you know what I mean? Y'all, you know that argument we have? It's like stepping out on faith, doing something beyond your normal it's up to you. I'm good. I'll, I'll we this team uh, will baptize as many people as want to be baptized, and we'll pray, and Jesus will be lifted up. It's good, right? So this morning, if you've been living on your own, and you think you know what, I want to do this with Jesus. I want to experience the power of God, the dunamis, supernatural power of God in my life. Today would be a good day to make that choice. If you've never been baptized, or if you have been, and you know that you need to leave something in that water, and you, it's something, a step of faith for you, uh, let us know. Talk to any one of these guys up here. You can let us know. And uh, other than that, if you want to watch and be a part of it, just show up here at 5 and uh, be a part of people's lives. And... Uh, we have really great snacks, too, plus 14 pizzas, I think you said. So everybody probably gets to take a pizza home with them because we won't eat that. They were donated. Everything was donated to us by businesses in town that support what we're doing. 
believe in us. Maybe it's time for you to start believing in you. So, Father, I just thank you for what's going to happen tonight, for a, another day that's going to, people are going to experience you in ways that we've never experienced you before. So, God, I just ask for courage. All of us are standing, looking at a field, looking at a battle, looking at opportunities, God. God, I ask that you would give us courage to believe and to trust and to step out on faith and to see what you can do. God, I just thank you that you're up to the challenge in our lives. No one hears, no one is beyond what you can do. So, Jesus, we just welcome you this afternoon. We just give you our day. We give you our families. We give you our lives, God. Thank you, King. Amen. God bless you guys. Have fun this afternoon. <laughs>